0: Tuesday, October 2nd on UPN,
1: Buffy Lives.
2: Buffy, is it you?
1: Buffy the Vampire Slayer. New episodes, new network.
0: Welcome to Mahar, also known as If the Apocalypse Comes Beat Me. This is a weekly-ish podcast about Buffy the Vampire Slayer, where we take a look at each episode according to its original air date 20 years ago. And this week's episode is the season six premiere, Bargaining Part One. Well, kind of the premiere because it's kind of part one and two, but part one of Bargaining. Uh, We'll be talking about plot. We'll be talking about characters, and we'll be talking about Dadaism. So, spoilers about for this episode, every episode before it, after it, the comics, and probably other shows and movies. Now, I was being patient, but it took too long, so it's finally time to get into season six!
1: It took six years, but that was was (laughs) (laughs) flawless.
0: Ah, wow! Welcome back. What a long, long summer it's been. I can't believe... That we haven't done this since, you know, the last one. Uh, And I'm just so happy to be here. My name is Kelly, and I'm here with my wonderful co-host, Stacia. Say hello. Hello. And my other co-host, Daniel. Say hello.
1: Knock, knock. Who's there? If we want Beat Me Pod to be exactly, she'll never be exactly. I know the only... Shit, this is so (laughs) hard. If we want Beat Me Pod to be exactly, she'll never be exactly. I know the only really real Beat Me Pod is really Beat Me Pod, and she's gone who?
0: Flawless, flawless. <laughs> Delivered the same way a robot might.
1: They talk so <laughs> fast. They talk so, so fast.
0: fast on that show, uh, and we are here to talk about that show, Buffy the Vampire Slayer, season six, episode one half, uh, rather, episode point five, half episode, bargaining part one, uh, which originally aired on October second of the year two thousand one. Written by Marty Noxon of Marty Noxon fame. This is 20 of 23 for her. Almost done with the show. Jeez. Uh, last episode was forever. And next will be Wrecked, which just like makes you hurt. Makes you hurt a little bit. Yeah, it sucks. Uh, I didn't know she did that. Someone to do it. Someone did have to do it. And maybe, hey, maybe it's great. We don't know. We don't know anything.
1: Yeah, I, we don't know. I mean, honestly, we don't know. This
0: Directed point. by David Grossman. This is 9 of 12 for him. Last was Tough Love. And next will be the other half of this episode. Or is it a whole other episode? I don't know. We'll have to talk about it. Bargaining Part 2. Uh, We actually have some firsts for the first time. Oh, wait, plot. Got to do plot. to See, you know what? It's just been too goddamn long. Although, I've done this, you know, weeks back to back and, and still gotten it wrong. So, hey, what happened in this episode? Man. Did you know that Buffy Summers, uh, the Slayer, is dead? She's been dead all summer. And our friends mostly seem okay. I mean, are they okay? We'll have to talk about it. But uh, our core Scoobies seem to be up to something sneaky that uh, we're definitely not telling Don about. We're definitely not telling Spike about. We're definitely not telling Giles about, which has always been great in the past. Always led to nothing but good things when we keep stuff from our friends. So... This can't go wrong, for sure. And it's probably not that even a big deal, whatever they're keeping from everyone else. Oh, they're going to bring Buffy back from the dead, clearly. We cannot live in a world without a Slayer. There's not, you know, uncountable numbers of cities and towns throughout the globe that don't have Slayers that manage just fine, but there's no way we could live in a world without her. So, of course, Willow, the boss of all of us, is going to bring Buffy back. Um, (laughs) Meanwhile, whoops. Some bad guys found out that Buffy's dead. The real Buffy's dead, and then we have a robot, uh, in her stead, and a motorcycle king of demons. Naturally, comes to sack the town in real Buffy's absence. Uh, unfortunately for our Scoobies, while during said resurrection spell of bringing Buffy back, the demon bikers attack and uh, mess up the spell. We assumed that it just didn't work. But the last thing we cut to is Buffy in her grave, under the ground, going from corpse to Sarah Michelle Geller. So it did work. But, oh, yeah, also Giles left. Anyway, uh, that's what happened in the episode. Are you sure? I am. Mercury's in retrograde and we have... Do we have everything?
1: Just about.
0: So we do have some firsts. Firsts in a long time. Because... Not only is this the first episode of season six, which does not count, but it's the first episode to air on the UPN and every subsequent episode of the show will be on the UPN from here on right, out, right. Uh, which is why we did the two hour premiere. So originally when this aired, it was uh bargaining part one and two back to back. I don't even they, they didn't like cut at all in the middle. There was no like to be continued or anything. It was just it was a two hour event. Um, the other first we got. Let's see. Uh first time anthony stewart head is not in the credits since all the way back in season one uh instead we had the last uh title like the last actor card i guess you could say is now allison hannigan as willow instead of it being anthony stewart head as giles and giles is credited as a special guest star for the first time so uh other first hey uh willow and tara moved into buffy's house and Willow will be there for the rest of the show. So that's the first time she...
1: And the rest of her life.
0: Yeah. <laughs> and the rest of Tara's life. Aww. Um, But see, but Tara leaves, so that doesn't count. But yeah, so she they, they live there now. And I don't know if you count that as a first, because it's the first time they've lived in Buffy's house. That's a thing that people would mark. Wow. Um, it's is the first appearance of the Sunnydale Airport. I put that down, but clearly I found out through... Listening to the commentary by uh, Marty Knoxon and David Fury, who wrote Bargaining Part 2. They did the commentary for this episode. This is not actually the first appearance of the Sunnydale Airport. But I don't know if they're trusted, like uh, reliable historians of the show. Because I don't think we've seen it before. But supposedly, Sunnydale Airport has been in uh, an episode before. And it was What's My Line Part 2. Uh, if that is, in fact, in What's My Line Part 2, because it would be with Kendra coming, I guess, or leaving or, or whatever, I highly, highly doubt we use this facade, uh, of which this is the Long Beach Airport um, in, in yes. Los Angeles. So, I don't know. I feel like I want to count it as a first because I don't I, – I, there's no way I could possibly go back and watch that episode to confirm. So, I de- declare this is a first that we've seen, the Long Beach Airport, a.k.a. Sunnydale Airport. Wasn't that important?
1: If we say it, it's true. Yeah, so.
0: obviously. Other things? This two hour premiere uh, is the second highest rated episode of the entire series. Uh, not rated, sorry, uh, watched. You know, like the Nielsen ratings or whatever. Do you know what the number one for this series, the entire series, was? Chosen. No. Bad Eggs.
1: Yes. You wish.
0: You wish. Uh, no. What's innocent. more a feeling? Innocence. Mm-hmm.
1: Surprise. Your innocence is gone. Exactly. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I, I guess everybody had
0: to tune in to see what happened to Angel. What happened
2: to him? I like you at bedtime? You actually said that? I know, I know. Man, that's like I don't know, that's
1: Moxie or something. Totally unplanned. It just came out. <laughs> and he was into it. Hey, he wants to see you at bedtime too? Yeah, I, I, I think he does. Well,
2: I, I mean, he's, he's cool about it. Well, of course he is, cause he's cool. I mean, he would never, you know, push, But right. He's not the type.
0: Um, although one more feeling, good guess. That I'm yeah. surprised it's not it. Uh, so there's lots of weirdness around the editing of this show. Not so much this episode by itself, but after it had been put into syndication. So it was a two-hour event, and it actually ran longer than 245 minute episodes, you know, or like 42 minute episodes would. And there were a, a there's a whole scene and a couple of extra jokes that are missing from this episode. So when I watched our glorious HD copy the first mm. time and I was like this is fine and then I went to listen to the commentary and there's a whole scene that wasn't in there and I was like wait right. a second what the hell is this? And then there was a couple of jokes and I was like What is going on? So, yeah, it also uh, made me spiral out. And I was like, oh, my God, what if we've been missing stuff this whole time and I haven't bothered to watch the DVD versions of them? So we have to redo the whole show. Clearly, we have to redo the whole show and watch the DVD copies so we can actually get every minute of footage that happened. But I I feel somewhat confident that it was just this episode and and subsequently um, Bargaining Part 2. Uh, that were just cut because when they put in syndication they they put them into two separate episodes definitive episodes so there's a they don't matter to the plot whatsoever but there's like an extra little joke at the beginning when they're in the graveyard about prescription drugs there's a scene when they go um when they take Buffy to the PTA meeting, you know how they show the banner right outside the school, and they're like, "Yeah, it's PTA day, parent teacher day, or whatever." There's a whole scene where Don walks up with Buffy Bot to uh, a teacher of theirs, and she like made a little art project, and they're all looking at Buffy Bot because she's weird. Uh, and then yeah. there's a joke about buying a can of Old English eight hundred for Giles as a going away present, but the homeless man that lives in the box outside the store didn't want to buy it for them, and they're too young to buy alcohol. Uh oh. And there's in the UK version they completely cut out Buffy's resurrection because it was too gruesome uh, they also took out the deer killing scene entirely because it was too gruesome um, even though the version that we get was already edited like like the real version the the premiere version was still super edited Marty Knoxon said that that uh, Alice Hannigan had such a hard time with it and that it just like turned out to be like way too much so they, they really cut it back I mean you don't even see her actually stabbing the deer you don't actually really see the blood or anything but right. even that was too much for the UK apparently. Um, anyway, so the fun fact did yourself consider yourself active. Oh yeah. They also cut out the snake throwing up scene in the UK version, man. Oh, wow. They were really, they just really just,
1: real they really didn't care about like the, the hard hittingness of this episode in the UK. Like they missed literally everything.
0: Yeah. the are hurt. Willow killing What's the deer the is so important. I feel like like, especially for our character, where we're going and all that stuff, but to not put it in there, it's just like,
1: also just like at the end, I mean, I guess it's a two night premiere, but like the whole point is that, you know, you're left with a cliffhanger that, oh my God, she's, it worked. Mm. Like, I mean, her death, you know, we see her coming back from the grave or whatever, right? I mean, obviously if it's a two night premiere, then they'll know in five seconds that she's come back from the grave. But if you don't show that and it's like in syndication, then what a fucking weird episode this becomes, right? Where we just leave it with like, sorry, it didn't work. And then we just don't know. And you're like, oh, okay, well, that was fun.
0: Yeah. Apparently this was not... Uh, designed as a two-hour episode. It was supposed to be two separate episodes. They had an episode one and an episode two. David Fury did the second episode. But the UPN came to them and they were like, we need this to be a big fucking deal. Make it one two-hour premiere event because we've got Buffy. We won Buffy. And you will make it special. Uh, I always thought that the WB just let it expire and didn't give a shit. Like, they were just canceling the show. They were done with it. But apparently it's just that they lost their exclusivity rights. Like, their contract came up, basically. And... Uh, the WB did want it. They did want to keep it. But UPN was like, we put down all the money. And so they got it. Um, I know you're clamoring for this. I have a small Angel update. It's time for an Angel update. <laughs> Perfect. Now we don't have to make any other music. So Angel's sad that Buffy died. So sad that he had to go to Sri Lanka about it. And he fought some demon monks and came back. And then we had jokes about, you should have gone to Vegas because he had a terrible time. And then we get into our Monster of the Week for him, which turns out to be an old friend of his. Apparently, James, we cut to like 1790-whatever in Versailles and or Mar- Marcellus-whatever. I don't know. They're Marseille. all the same to my head. Yeah, that sure, sure. And... Darla and Angel are running around with this guy, James, and his girlfriend, and they're, like, James and his girlfriend are like, we're in love, and Angel's like, we're so above love, we torture each other, so, like, Ugh. oh, gross, whatever. Angel, in today's world, Los Angeles, accidentally, or not accidentally, totally intentionally, kills James's girlfriend, who he doesn't know is James' girlfriend, until he sees this locket, and then he's like, oh, flashback time. James doesn't take it well, he makes himself immortal, which, like, and then chases Cordelia and Angel around, and finally just dies, because whatever. MacGuffin and then Cordelia and Angel actually talk about his feelings. And he's sad, but he's sad that he's not sadder because James made him feel bad about how much he loved the girl I can't remember the name of. And Angel should be that broken up, too, because Buffy was the love of his life. And if he's not, what does it mean? And Cordelia says, that guy was a loser. Don't feel bad, Angel. And the episode ends. So, oh, no, wait, sorry. Not before revealing Darla is pregnant. And there's a vampire hunter named Holtz that existed in the 1700s. But there's no way he could show up today because... How would he? He was alive in the 1700s, but he'll definitely won't be the big bad for the season. And then also terrible other things happen. Anyway, Angel. Uh, is I, it all that... doesn't
1: Cordelia get with Angel? Don't they like fall in love with each other? Isn't that part? Yeah, of it, th- that yeah, part?
0: that's the arc of because the, there's the, the ballerina episode, the prima ballerina episode. I think is in um, season three with uh, Summer Glau guest stars in it as like the prima ballerina. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they, like, almost kiss or whatever. They do kiss. I don't remember. Yeah. Okay.
1: Fair enough.
0: Oh, God. I just really, like, watching the episode, because I did. I watched the whole thing. I watched it. Uh, it It's just, like, all the things. Like, Laurel Holloman is on this show, and we have fake Van Helsing, and oh, my God, Cordelia's going to just be fucking written out of the show, and it just made me sad. It's hard to watch sometimes.
1: Well, Wesley. Fred and Wesley. Yay.
0: And Fred's there now, so that's
1: something. That's That's good stuff.
0: Yeah. Uh, I really only brought that up just to say that Angel, I didn't know this, moved nights. So forever they okay. aired on Tuesdays, one right after the other. And I was like, sure. oh shit, if this is a two hour premiere, that fucks that up, right? Like you're not going to be able to watch Angel and Buffy at the same time, which I mean, it's not the end of the world. But like for something like this, where there is a lot of crossover, like they do talk about Buffy intermittently throughout the episode. Um, you you would still want that lining up. Turns out Angel got moved to Monday nights. Uh, not only did it move to Monday nights, but the first episode of season three of Angel aired a full week before this oh, one. Oh,
1: before. Did. Oh, that's why. Yeah. Okay. So it
0: was on the 24th, September 24th. So it was like, ah. Huh, I guess
1: weird. there's no more interaction between the series. But, you know, we even mentioned Angel in this episode when Willow was yeah. talking about her soul, like Angel being lost. So, yeah, I mean, <laughs> it's fun to have the continuity and it's fun that it still exists over there. Yeah, and like over there.
0: two to three episodes, uh, Buffy calls Angel and, you know, it's
1: like- mm. the,
0: i'm i'm alive <laughs> and they do an off sc- all it's all off screen there's no scenes at on angel or on Buffy, but right. they just you know they've met up at some point
1: sure um, of course they did so. cool I love it Whatever.
0: you'll get a terrible angel update then don't you worry and you're her sweet cookie face i go by many names okay i need you to tell me something very important now
2: yeah what did you think about this episode I don't know, I'm I'm kind of curious to see how I feel about it after I've seen the next one. Cause like this one's fine, but it's it's kind of like a really long cold open in a lot of ways to getting to where Buffy's back. Like it's interesting to see the friends sort of trying to like grapple with like what is life without Buffy, but also no one's really dealing with that except for Donna and Giles, <laughs> because everyone else is holding on to this hope that she'll come back. Yeah. Um. And you do get this like hokey demon motorcycle situation, which just doesn't feel real in any way. Like, but I mean, it's nice. It's nice to see our friends. Sure. I really like. I really like the scene at the end when Buffy comes back and she starts out all corpsified. I think that's like really scary. Too much for the UK. <laughs> well, it's really. I mean, Buffy like likes to pretend like oh, we do action adventure, but they don't truly do very many like clear points of horror Mm -hmm. but I feel like Mm -hmm. Buffy's uh, corpse face is one of them so I dig that but I think the next next episode might be a little more emotionally resonant I'm just not sure yeah we shall see
1: and even technically that was wonderful at the end like for Mm -hmm. a show that had Willow trying to make us believe a snake was coming out of her mouth whatever happened at the end was really affecting like that was good good. yeah like really good like excellent much
2: better it aged much better than so
1: i absolutely which is like thank god uh we spent our money there i feel the same way as you it's like a weird epilogue to our really short season five Mm -hmm. uh and it's also weirdly only one hour of prologue because like we don't have a lot of you could argue we don't have any episodes where there is no buffy You know, and I know obviously the Buffy bot is here and we see the real Buffy come back to life. But for the most part, this is just Allison Hannigan show right Mm -hmm. now. And it's like a cool one hour where we just get to hang out with her, like own this fucking episode. And she was absolutely amazing. And the thing that I really liked about this episode and probably why it'll be this whole thing is going to rank really high for me is that. This did feel a little just disjointed. The biker scenes, all the shit that they're leading up to, that I hate, not great. But every other scene, like with our friends, is so good. Mm. Like that apartment scene, the breakfast scene, just everything between everybody. Even even Xander and Anya, who we typically don't really care for here, I really liked them stepping aside at the magic box and like talking and just I don't know. Everything had that great, you know, the Joss Whedon-esque episodes that have like the dialogue where everything seems to be. On purpose, everything seems to be there. Um, I felt that especially when Sarah Michelle Gellar was doing, or sorry, when Alison Hannigan was doing her speech about we can't leave her behind. I'm thinking about her soul. We're never going to leave her. And just talking about her soul and where it is, it just makes, you know, it, it's better in hindsight because now I think about once more with feeling, right? There's those lines where it's like, you know, I'm in heaven, mm-hmm. right? I, I, But I was dragged. I, I'm in hell. I was dragged out. I was in heaven. I think I was in heaven. And it's like, Amazing to see her fretting so much about her friend's existence in the afterlife because she's afraid to live on Earth without her. And it's like she was okay to be gone. And we know that. And so while we watch her struggling and she's so devastated when the bikers break Osiris's urn. Right. And she thinks it's over. It's like, oh, if only it was, right? Because mm-hmm. Buffy didn't want to come back. You know, we know that. And I think it just really, like, the best parts of season five last year really hinged upon a rewatch. Like, it all felt so good. And I think that this feels really good because they're really doing a great job setting everything together. And even the payoffs from last season, the scene with Dawn and Spike was phenomenal. And Spike was so good for the, for the little bit that he was in this.
2: But I'm fine, on. It's not like anyone's coming after me. I'm not the key. Or if I am. I don't open anything anymore. It's over. Remember?
1: Ugh, the more I talk about it, the more excited I get. And then I remember the fucking, you know, stupid bikers you know but then you have giles <laughs> leaving and it's like oh my god you know it's amazing like the buff buffy bot like when giles she's gone i've done my job and buffy bot then why are you still here like oh yeah the buffy bot is coming in with like one of the saddest lines in the whole show like i was dying a lot in this episode it was really really good that being said i just fear for part two and i hope part two is just as good as this because i think this is a really really great episode if so so
0: I concur. I think all the non-biker parts of this episode are really good, Mm -hmm. and they did. I mean, I'm lucky enough to not have like lost anybody that's super close to me, but I feel like they did a good job of like three months later, like you're you're picking the pieces back up. You like life has to go on, so we're not hammering home like we're so fucking sad we can't function every second it's way more realistic where it's like you you're living your life and then moments happen and you're like fuck my friend's gone and then you know you just gotta go back and deal with the biker shit so uh (laughs) that happens to everyone where you're just minding your own business being sad about your friend dying and then boom demon bikers that'll put marzipan in your pie plate bingo What's where the daughter is i read
2: Yeah, she says that pie thing every time she takes a vamp now. I I don't know. I was trying to program in some new puns, and I kind of ended up with word salad.
0: I think it's funny. Okay, so this episode starts with us running around the graveyard, just the Scoobies, and then we have the mislead of the bot. right? Uh, During this whole thing, uh, Spike says something about Dadaism, and I want to know what that is. It's all about hand-fisted segues in this episode. Get fucking used to it, Stacia. Tell wow. me the Dadaism is. <laughs> wow, I would love to, Kelly. Are these notes different than the notes you wrote on the back of your hand? Yeah.
2: Nice. Nice. Notes everywhere.
0: And this is a list. This is... Oh, the back of the hand is for lists only. Yes. Phones for research. I guess. Yes. It. Okay, thank
2: great. you. Okay. So Dadaism. It's basically like, you know, World War One happened and that was bad. <laughs> we're feeling kind of bad about our lives. This is mostly Europe, but it did spread to the rest of the year world, but it started in Europe. And essentially they were just like that that really sucked. Like why did we do that? Why did that happen?
0: <laughs> Great questions all around.
2: And so they they kind of started this art movement that essentially like asked like what is art? <laughs> and how how do we how is it used to like sort of um Maintain the status quo, I guess you would say. So, Dadaism kind of became the sort of pushback on all the things they thought that led to World War One, like this, like bourgeoisie capitalism, like mentality. Um, it was all stuff that they kind of wanted to reject. So they didn't want anything that was comfortable or that felt right. So, like the. Dadaism is considered the first anti-art like it's meant to be uncomfortable to look at or to listen to. It's meant to be sort of like nonsense. Um, and one of the things that I read was that the reason why uh, Dadaism happened when it did is because the um, artists who are making it said it was no more absurd than the war itself. And apparently in April 1917, um, a German offensive left 120,000 French dead just 150 miles from Paris. And one village witnessed a band of French infantrymen sent out as reinforcement while everyone's dying, bawing because they're essentially trying to protest being like lambs led to the slaughter. And um, so one of the like, the leaders of the Dada movement said without World War One, there is no Dada, but there is a French saying that Dada explains the war more. The artists of the time that were uh, becoming involved in this movement did a couple of different, like, styles of art. I mean, it s- spanned everything, but a couple of things sort of came out of the movement. One of them was simultaneous poems so essentially you'd have a group of people all reading different poems at the same time to create this sort of cacophonous <laughs> That's chaos
0: that yeah terrible. because
2: you can't focus in on any one voice it's supposed to sort of like evoke the idea of like urban life and like all this different like technology and like cars and people and high rises and everything um also sound poems which were essentially just like syllables they were nonsense to make a Dada is poem take a newspaper Take a pair of scissors. Choose an article as long as you are planning to make your poem. Cut out the article. Then cut out each of the words that make up the article and place in a bag. Shake gently. Then take out each of the scraps, one after the other, in the order in which they left the bag.
1: Copy conscientiously. The poem will be like you. And here you are, a writer.
2: This uh, one artist, uh, I I don't know if you could even say made, but his art was called ready made. He essentially just found already made objects and called them art. Nice. And then collages um, in a lot of different ways. uh, The artists instead of like creating art, they would take already made media and deconstruct it and reconstruct it into something new and a lot of it wasn't even entirely intentional they'd cut it into pieces throw it onto a canvas and then glue it however it fell down Hmm. so definitely rejecting the idea of like how do we make something aesthetically beautiful (laughs) like all of these like things that you think of that have to do with art Um, and I think like the last kind of main point because Dadaism it didn't last very long and it kind of led into other movements of like the mid-century and, like, the 50s and 60s kind of, like, all sort of sprung from these, like, ideas of absurdness that Dada brought, but they had um, this space called Cabaret Voltaire, which is in Switzerland, and so a lot of artists that were in countries like Germany and France and that were experiencing, like, the war on the ground were going to Switzerland, and this was, like, their safe haven where they could sort of experiment with what they're feeling and what everyone's going through. So that was a big deal. And kind of like what was like the genesis of
0: the movement. So that's basically it. I mean, I'm into that. It's
2: like basically war sucks.
0: Yeah. And tearing down the idea of capital A art a little bit, right? Like,
2: yeah. I mean, a lot of it is really like getting very navel gazy into like, what is art? What does it feel to comfort? Who should you be comforting? (laughs) what are you expressing in your art and like getting away from just art for like pure aesthetic sake and more like art as a message. It feels very like punk Rocky in a lot of ways. I mean, no more fruit portraits. You're like screaming at the establishment.
1: (laughs) It does sound like your nightmare, Kelly. I mean, this is not, this would not be for you. I mean, this is where, you know, that style of jazz and stuff too. I mean, it's probably, it probably goes right from, that sort yeah. of thing as well. I mean, yeah. that jazz was being made that you hate in the 1940s. You know, these are people who were growing up in that stuff before World War II.
0: And I wonder if the abstract expressionists um, of the 50s here was like kind of, you know, yeah. direct.
2: Yeah. I mean, the thing that was so interesting was that, you know, Dadaism, it was like really short lived as far as like art movements goes and only lasted like 10 or 15 years, really. But it. Is kind of like it started the conversation on basically all art since then. Like I found one quote that was like, you know, we had Dada in the 1920s and since then we've had nothing. Like there's nothing that's like evolved or like created something new that we haven't already seen that was done in Dada. So that's really interesting to think that we're still just kind of like in conversation with these artists from 100 years ago trying to, like... Totally. And a lot of it's still, like, very prescient to, to, like, today of, like, what does it mean to be in, like, this, like, late-stage capitalism and, like, you know, how, like, greed and the need for wealth, like, feeds these wars and who is getting hurt and, like, why are we adding to this, like, machine that's never going to be satiated, so... I don't know. It is interesting, but it's very uncomfortable and weird to look at. Like it's definitely not like a, a, an aesthetic thing you hang up in your house cuz you think it looks beautiful.
0: <laughs> I mean, people right. definitely would. Yeah. But not you can't say objectively that it looks good. It's just that you want right. to you Ooh. want you enjoy it for what it represents.
1: Yeah. Sure, maybe.
0: I mean, I guess somebody could, but I would say that they're full of it. Anyway,
2: thank you for that. Yeah, I'm sorry that it was kind of nonsensical, but I guess that's what Dadaism
0: is. How apropos! We want her to be exactly, she'll never be exactly I know.
1: The only really real Buffy is really Buffy and she's gone who?
0: About this, so the reason why, a quick word on us not doing this as a two hour thing, one, I didn't want us to do a four-hour podcast because uh, no. I don't want to listen to a four-hour podcast, so I wouldn't put that on anyone else. And two, I don't think we could coherently keep track of what happened in part one and part two. I mean, we probably could because the delineation of Buffy comes back and that's it is pretty good. But still, it just it, it colors this episode is going to change like that's why we're waiting to talk about some parts of it based on what happens to come so i feel like it's to give this piece of it it's fair shake you kind of have to break it up a little bit but it's disingenuous to our mission statement which is 20 years ago 20 years ago this aired as one piece so i'm sorry man sometimes you gotta break the rules
1: well i would say go see restless for the reason why we don't do these episodes in one (laughs) fell swoop because no one needs three and a half hours talking about (laughs) bullshit so no
0: and that was just one episode that was
1: just one fucking episode uh
0: yeah everyone does a great job and and I don't know how to talk about this episode without just like I'm gonna just throw some shit at you guys so Giles uh after the heartbreaking airport scene which apparently some fans criticized them for saying it was too long and it just was too maudlin. And I'm like, anyone watching this who thinks it's bad is a fucking idiot. Like, I don't know how anyone could not like this, but Marty Knoxon brought it up um, during the, the commentary and said that people didn't like it. I, I don't know what you could not like about it, but.
1: I've gone. Not one for goodbyes. I, I thought it best to slip out quietly. Love to you all. Giles.
2: You really think we'd let you get away with it?
1: I love the scene, but I the, I found going from the fucking voiceover into the fucking airport, you know, oh, with, yeah. like, the key sound key. coming up on him uh, was a, a bit much for me.
0: Oh, so speaking of that, briefly, that was another thing that changed. So in the syndicated versions, and I, I guess in the UK version, period, we get what we had here, where Xander starts, like, picks up the letter, but then it's Giles' voiceover. In the DVD version, Xander reads the whole letter, and then we just cut to Giles. So... I feel like maybe that's a little better. Saves you a second or
1: two? I mean, I don't really know why you couldn't do it one way or the other. What did you lose or save? I don't know.
0: I guess we're going to get in a fight because I just said anyone who doesn't like the scene is an idiot. Did you think it dragged on?
1: (laughs) Dragged on? Uh, Why would it drag on? These are my best friends saying goodbye to a beloved teacher and mentor. And I was just dying the whole time. Absolutely. No, this scene is perfect and it should go on for five more hours. Was it like bad though? Like in terms of TV? I don't think so. I don't think it was necessarily that long. It's not like they just sat and looked at each other. I mean, they all had lines of dialogue i think as somebody coming into this cold a brand new buffy fan yeah i think you'd be confused by everyone's personal interactions with giles you don't even know who giles is and they're saying goodbye so that's weird but as somebody who's been watching the show for six years this is all this is catharsis baby we need it
0: and i maybe that is part of why people had negative things to say about it because as we discussed up top this is the second highest watch episode so there are theoretically a lot of new viewers watching just this episode weirdly uh so maybe that's why it didn't hit the way that it definitely did for me well it sounds like it's their fault uh, yeah
2: obviously who starts a tv show in the sixth season like who are you people come on
1: insane and if you do don't you're not allowed to have strong opinions about
2: it (laughs) yeah (laughs) so true i mean real talk
1: you don't know what you're talking about
2: you don't even know who the main character is yet
0: she's dead You've met only the robot facsimile. <laughs> uh, I know. So, Some kind of machine. Oh God.
1: <laughs>
0: <sighs> the demon <laughs> bikers. Oh, R.I.P. Wayne Static. I was gonna say that for, for the yelling, but yeah, we get a fucking static that song. Wayne static.
1: Yeah, right Static. <laughs> I'm with glad Wayne Static's
0: sad. not alive to see this. Uh <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> oh.
1: The music was, like, spot on. Oh, like, I just, what a great song for this biker bar. Top notch. And, you know, I, do we think that the Hanson thing, like, I, I I laughed the first time I saw it. I was like, what's going on here? Clearly. Did we just do this to, like, make the guy a dweeb? Oh, yeah. Like, that's why we did the Hanson yeah. thing. That's so, like, very 2000.
0: Yeah, so Marty Knoxon did that on purpose. And then during the commentary, okay. she's like, it was my idea to put him in the Hanson shirt. Not that Hanson's lame. I was like, who are you protecting right now? But I mean, I guess you know this show probably has a huge teenage girl fan base at the time. Like the and like, don't upset the Hanson fans. I guess even in two thousand one.
1: But I would think that a lot of Buffy fans are Static X, or you know, don't know Static X maybe, but are like, I'm alternative. Yeah. I'm goth. I'm I'm the girl from Urban Legend. You know, I'm. It's her, me. So. It's me on the screen. <laughs> it's you. That's what I'm saying. Oh, I thought you were saying it's you. It's you. Yeah.
0: Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay. Well, leaving the airport. Anya says, maybe we should have told him, told him about the fact that we're going to raise Buffy from the dead, something that he would probably very much want to know. And I want to say, what do you think? I want to say, I want to ask both of you, Stacia, what do you think Giles would have to say about this resurrection plan? Don't do it. Correct. (laughs) Daniel, (laughs) what do you think?
1: I think that he would say, don't do it.
0: Correct. Excellent. Now. If. They had told Giles, and he said, don't do it. Do you think they would have went ahead and done it anyway? Yes.
1: The plot demands yes, it.
0: Yes, sure. Uh, but do you think we would all be better off if they had not done it? Actually, we have bigger worries than our fighting skills today. Way bigger.
1: I guess. Depends on how highly you prize punning.
2: Okay, so this is this is interesting because I had this this moment, thought, I think for the first time watching it this time. When um, Willow asked Xander, like, did it work or something? And then he said no, and she passes back out. And it's sort of like you're, like, standing on this precipice of, like, what is this show without Buffy? Mm -hmm. Like, it's kind of, like, an interesting idea. Like, the show is almost, like, setting up that Willow is going to be the main character. And she could be the main character. She's strong enough to do these things. Um, So it's, like, kind of an interesting idea to like what is Buffy the Vampire Slayer without Buffy? Slayer without Buffy. I mean, yeah. I think they would have been okay. Buffy it sounds like she would have been happier, so but you know, hindsight's 2020. 20. You don't know if she was in hell, if she was being tortured like Angel was. It, it's kind of like you don't have a choice, right? Like you have to get her back.
0: Yeah, there, Yeah. so I guess there's kind of two levels of it, right? It's like, what, as viewers, what, the show, what does Buffy the Vampire Slayer, the show become without Buffy? But then also, what does that become for our friends? Uh, the, as soon as this episode starts, uh, we're, we're just dealing with the Scoobies, right? And they're mm-hmm. continuing to fight vampires, just like they did when Buffy ran away to, to Falkland, right? Yep.
1: Okay, and the uh, second problem I'm having, come and get it, big boy.
0: Well... Well, the Slayer always says a pun or a witty play on words, and I think it throws the vampires off, and, and it makes them frightened because I'm wisecracking. Okay, I didn't really have a chance to work on that one, but you tried every time. They, they carried on. I mean, granted, they had Giles there to carry on with them, and so they do in the beginning of this episode, too, but after this, presumably they'd just be doing it themselves. So how realistic is it to expect that these very, very young adults are going to carry on saving the world. That's just humans. I mean, now Willow is strong and has powers and Terra too, for the first time by herself ever I feel like, actually used magic in a impactful way. Terra running with a stake. Fucking so much action. Terra was in this episode. (laughs) But so do you think Daniel do you think it's it's reasonable for them to just keep on
1: going like to expect them to keep going No not at all. I mean I feel like it's wild that Giles would just like bounce on them like But the Giles character I feel like would absolutely be like I'm thinking too small about what it is to be a teacher mentor, you know, watcher. I have to watch over these kids. Buffy is gone now. Th- these are my people. Like I thought I was just here to to teach this girl and have her die. That's really all this job was, is to have her for a couple of years and then she's going to die. I did what any good watcher would do. Got my Slayer killed in the line of duty. Oh, that wasn't your fault.
2: Of course not. That's how all Slayer-Watcher relationships end, isn't it?
1: She's gone. I did my job. Then
2: why are you still here?
1: It turns out maybe that's not the way it is. Maybe you can have friends and you can grow and you can create a whole network of people fighting, you know, demons and shit without even the Slayer as a thing. I don't know. I feel like I think it's wild that Giles would just leave and be like, yeah, everything's fine. Like
0: they all knew he was going to leave. It sounds like right. There was just like this. I'm going to leave. I don't need to be here anymore. At some point, I'm going to leave. And then he just doesn't tell them when that's going to happen, which seems fucked up. Uh, Especially for Anya, who's literally going to have to take over the store. So, like, she should know when you're not going to be there anymore. But uh, what. It's the bigger question of the show. And I guess you could always go back to the Hellmouth MacGuffin, right? It's like. Sunnydale is more important because it has a hellmouth. There is an increased level of demonic activity because there is a hellmouth. But again, yeah, Cleveland has a hellmouth too and there's no
1: Slayer there. So like Well, no, but even with that it's like but yeah, but, but the Slayer's dead, right? So like what what if he wants to leave that's fine, but it like I don't I don't know. I guess Willow could just walk away too. I guess they could all just walk away. Yeah. But are they expected to stay and fight? Like I mean, if I was a kid, I'd be like I'm moving away. Yeah. But then that means, like, this town's going to go to fucking shit. We're the only ones keeping it together. Who made you the boss of the group? You did.
2: You said Willow should be boss. And then you said, let's vote. And it was unanimous. And you made her this little plaque that said boss of us. And you put little sparkles on it. And...
0: Valid points. Oh. I just think it's, it's unreasonable to expect these people to keep doing it. Uh, and, like, what's the worst that can happen is kind of my my answer, right? Just because, but like, I mean, I kind of, with the hell mouth thing, I guess that's really what you have to, to go on. It's like, so LA clearly has lots of demon activity, but it seems to be portrayed in a way that's a little bit different. Like, I don't know, with the Wolfram and Hart stuff, it's like, we in LA, we are a little, we have business demons and we do business stuff. <laughs> <time>. the mafia. <laughs> yeah, so so it's like kind of a different beast, no pun intended, but this it's like, I just, I feel like if, <laughs>
1: I mean, the lore doesn't hold up. There's not enough lore yeah, to answer this question. Honestly, it just because it makes absolutely no sense. We got Wolf and Hart. You're totally right because I mean, again, if these guys just left, I feel like an angel person would would reasonably be like, we need to go and like secure the Hellmouth. Yeah. Like we're moving to Sunnydale.
0: Or if not, the military comes in and, and bombs the out. shit out of the city or does something. Like you can't have all these. There's deaths no in these, I like, know, There's no, no police. No, no,
1: no. <laughs> I mean, it's wild. <laughs>
0: Uh, So yeah, I guess you just have to suspend, like, Sunnydale will be in peril if someone is not here to protect it, and I think that's why we go immediately to, to Biker Gang taking over. Buffy's been gone, you know, she's been gone for three months, but we just found out, we being the demon world, just found out that Buffy's actually gone, and within a second, they're, like, going to the town to ransack it, so it's like... I guess they really do need more protection than other cities. Like Austin doesn't have a demon problem at all, I guess, or it's so contained and small that no one cares or
1: No, you know what they have? They have police forces <laughs> that are ready when this sort of shit goes down.
0: I mean, we what Riley will show up later in the season, theoretically there are secret military ops going on that we have nothing about, right? Like that's still happening. Maybe that's enough, I guess. It's just Sunnydale has an inordinate amount of bad guys. I, this is the only explanation.
1: Black market's all
0: baby teeth and spooky fluids. Talking about not telling people stuff. Hank Summers. Ever heard of him? Oh, man. Father of Buffy and Don Summers, presumably. Uh,
1: no one's heard of him. Heard from him in a long time. You say
0: we can't tell Hank because Don would go away. Uh, should they tell Hank? I mean, that's the only reason is to keep Don around, right? But would Don maybe not be safer wherever the fuck Hank is? And also, his daughter is fucking dead. So much should tell the man. I don't think he cares.
1: (laughs) (laughs) He does not care. (laughs) You thinking that he cares, and you've asked this question in different ways over the course of our entire show. And it just, you really want a little bit of justice for Hank. You want it to be okay. (laughs) I laughed out loud, I thought it was so funny that he's such a terrible dad that they would just be like, even Buffy Bot is not allowed to answer the phone, a- a- as if he would even call. I mean, it's like Buffy Bot, don't ever answer the phone because it- you never know it might be Hank. And I mean, everybody should just look around at each other and be like, <laughs> like he would ever call, like he would ever fucking call. Like it's just yeah. a way to I tell mean, her not been to answer the phone. Three
2: months and he apparently hasn't called. So Joyce's
1: dead. Everyone's dead. Like I mean, shit. Everything's going <laughs> everyone's down. dead. Nothing. Nothing. He's Doesn't still
0: in. Oh, uh, Europe with his secretary or whatever. Yeah, it's embarrassing. I just, I don't know. I feel like you got to tell him. But we're living... I, I, I wonder when they decided to bring her back. I feel like for Willow, it was probably almost instantly. Like, we're going to just bring her back. Because of the way that everyone's reacting, that isn't Giles, Spike, and Dawn, right? Uh, everyone's kind of like... But this is just temporary, a little bit. Like they're sad, yeah. but they, they, they know they're going to bring it back. So I wrote for everyone. People that are definitely okay Willow, nothing will go wrong. I'll fix it, I promise. We'll be okay. <laughs> Spike, I'll never let Don get hurt again. Buffy bot is gross. I'm very sad. <laughs> Don, I'll just sleep next to the robot. Giles, I killed Buffy. Everyone is definitely okay. <laughs> <laughs>
1: uh i mean everyone's definitely not and but yeah no, i know i i think it's because there are they are trying to accept especially for dawn a one-two punch like that is like incredibly ridiculous but like yeah willow i think was convinced from the moment and we saw how powerful she was becoming last year so it makes it tracks so well and knowing what we know about willow later this was a great episode where you see that glint in her eye where she's like no, I can fucking do this. I promise you, I can do this. Do
0: you like, think that Willow bringing Buffy back is truly selfless? That she was, she's like legitimately concerned that that Buffy is in hell, or is it that she just doesn't want to deal? Like she wants to bring bring her back so that she doesn't have to grieve, so that she doesn't have to move on, so they don't have to figure out how the Scoobies continue to fight evil, how they live in the world without her.
2: I think she's got a lot of guilt, you know, about the whole thing. And she feels like I think it's partially her fault that Buffy's dead. And, um, you know, if you were the only person who could save your friend from hell, I think it would eat on you every night laying there thinking she's being tortured and I can do something
0: about it.
1: We saw her body, Will.
0: We buried it.
2: Her body? Yeah. Yeah. But her soul, her essence, I mean, that could be somewhere else. She could be trapped in in some sort of hell dimension like Angel was, suffering eternal torment just because she saved us and I'm not gonna let her, I'm not gonna leave her there.
1: It's Buffy.
2: And at the same time being like, I just really fucking miss my friend. Like, how are we supposed to do this without you? Like, what do we do about Dawn? Like, are we supposed to be her parents now? Like, this is, are we supposed to go out and kill vampires every day? Like, we need you. Like, you're the entire, you're like the sun that our entire universe revolves
0: around. So.
1: Do they ever talk about being the parents? Like, do no, they ever, like, acknowledge look it or how no? how
0: great they are. They're the best, like, immediate lesbian parents of all time. Tara's like, do you want juice? Because Tara's in this episode. And, like, they're just making sure, getting the clocks, making sure she gets to school, doing all the things. It's just, like, they're great little lesbian parents. Uh, but, no, there's never a discussion really about it. I mean, the, the thing that sticks out to me is uh, that it was clearly, like, a plan. Like, that... They, whether or not they said that, they were tacitly agreeing by moving into the house and looking after Dawn that that's what, yeah. we're, we're your guardians. Like, we're your de mm-hmm. facto guardians, for sure. Because there's a line in uh, in season eight where Willow's, like, Willow and Buffy are kind of on their own little adventure and uh, Willow starts talking about her regrets and stuff and she's like, you know, I should have just taken Dawn after you died. I should have just left. Tara and I could have taken her somewhere safe. We could have raised her. We could have been a family. It could have been fine. And, yeah. like, that's... Very uh, I think she, she was totally ready to accept that, which is nuts. Like, these kids, all I keep thinking about is how young they are and these choices they're making. Like, at the end of season five, just I just kept thinking about, this is so much. This is so much to deal with. And I wonder if Willow... Like, I think you're right. It is both, obviously. It's both. She, she wanted yeah. her friend back and she just didn't know how to fucking function in this world. But she does become the leader. Daniel, do you think that Willow is just the what is, is it called like when you the unwilling leader the like when leadership is thrust upon you right there's like a yeah there's a fucking fictiony word for that anyway uh do you think that that's like why she just can assume the role and because she is powerful or do you think she is kind of like a little power trippy where she's like i know i am the strongest do you think somewhere in her she's like i know i'm the baddest ass i can actually do something
1: Yeah. She's been doubted for a long time. And I do think that there's a part of her that's like, I'm tired of this doubt. I mean, that's what we're going to see. I think as far as I, what I remember from season six, I mean, it's just going to escalate. Obviously when Tara dies it like all flips, but yeah, I mean, she's definitely, I mean, they voted her the leader, right? I mean, she's clearly the one who needs to be in charge. And I think that's not because she's Willow. I think it's just because of what she's displayed over the last, especially two years. And just the the sea change that she's gone under, I think, is way more pronounced than Xander, of course, who has done nothing, and even Anya that we've been around with for a little bit longer than uh, Tara. So it's like, in terms of the people, like I'm sorry, Tara is not going to be the leader of the group, right? There's only she's two in this options. episode. <laughs> There's only two options: it's Willow or it's Xander, right? So it's only going to be one of them. And to answer your question before, the one line I really liked: the Buffy bot is is assigned to return to willow when she's injured but my homing device locates you when i'm injured
0: i'm programmed to go to you
1: and i I, right away when that was said i was like oh my god that's such a beautiful symbolic thing right because in a way you can interpret that as that you know somebody who is grieving their friend would do program the buffy bot to come back to her so that you know you don't lose buffy bot like you lost buffy you know you'll always be with her even if she's broken or whatever you know that
0: is very sweet i didn't read that at that as all I didn't read that like that at all. It was just because Willow can fix her. That's, you know, she's the only one with the, the technical knowledge. But that's much nicer. Great googly moogly, Willow. Willow's turn is, is happening. And it happens, it feels like it happens all at once, but it really has been building slowly. I mean, we saw glimpses of it last season when she was like, fuck you, I'm taking glory on. If you're not going to help me, I can do this. I know I'm big and bad enough to do it. And, yeah, when Giles comes back and they get in their fight, like... I, and I don't mean the season end fight. I mean, like, when he comes back in a couple episodes and he's like, you did this thing. You rank, rank in arrogant, in immature immature. In <laughs> like, She's like, oh, I don't need God. you anymore. Bye. And it's just like, yeah. it, that's why the scene in the airport is so particularly gutting because they hug. And it's just like, she's the last one he says goodbye to because she means the most to him. They're the most connected. Mm-hmm. And it's like, this is like, ah, oh, that scene. Because this, oh, this is the last time they're, they're going to be on good terms until... Season seven.
2: We just wanted you to know that we'll miss you. Uh, we'll be okay. We'll miss you. We'll
0: be okay. This is the last time because when he comes back, he's fucking mad at her and she has no space for him and doesn't want to hear him oh, criticizing her.
1: Goosebumps, I know, just goosebumps. Like, I'm so oh, excited. I'm so maybe
0: the season's going to be good. I'm so worried. <laughs> yes, there we go. <laughs>
1: Well, we predicted back in season two it was I coming know, true. I I don't know what to do.
0: Anyway, I think that we've uh, talked about the main stuff of the episode. Uh, unless you have some other things you want to discuss before we just yell about it.
1: I mean, we can just yell about
0: right. it. Great. Why don't we do that? It's time for yelling. Daniel, why don't you go first?
1: Uh Yeah, just a couple other random scenes that I loved. Uh, like I said, Dawn and Spike, absolutely amazing. We see him only for a short time. I love that he's like renouncing his Buffy bot ways and I love though when he when Don says I'm not the key or if I am I don't open anything anymore Mm. and Marsha's his fucking like face like conveys everything like you open me up though I mean it's just so sad it's so sad and he just like then he slams it down because in a way he only knows anger it's like ah I will not let this happen to you again and I don't know. That was a wonderful scene. And just like the whole thing with uh, Willow, you know, telling her to get that stuff off. I like that they can share a very, um, you know, uh, embarrassing thing. You know, Spike and and Willow have had these very intimate moments in that Spike is a very embarrassing, gross, creepy person. (laughs) and Willow is somehow still his friend and confidant in some way. And it's like, she knows all the gross stuff that he put into Buffy And yet she's still here and she's still with Spike in the room. And that's a pretty, that's telling. And I'm sure for Spike, it's, I would hope that he would understand like, oh my God, these guys are, they're kind of all right, you know, cause I'm a shit bag and they're really putting up with me in a, in a crazy way. So.
0: Yeah. I think last season we struggled a lot with like spikes, the worst spikes, the best, like where is the line? When does, is there a, like a moment you can point to where he really turns to, I'm the good guy now. And I think that you know, there's probably not one moment, but but this is a huge step where he's like, I can't believe I made this thing. That's not her. It never was her. And I was a fucking creep and a, and a weirdo to think that this could be Buffy because nothing can be Buffy. Like that is a huge amount of knowledge and growth, even just in that little moment. I think you're right. Like Spike has such a, a small amount of speaking parts. He's barely in this episode, but he like conveys so much between like his feelings for Dawn and like obviously I failed. I like he can't get over the fact that he 100 percent blames himself for for not being there in time not saving dawn and i'm like i'm never gonna let it happen again i'm never gonna let you get hurt again and it's just like that's so much those two moments of like i care about dawn and i love buffy so much that i'm gonna care about dawn and protect her for as long as i can and i i love buffy so much that i i i recognize that this abomination i had created was never her and it's just like that's so spike look
1: Poor poor Buffy bot. She has to be deprogrammed and (laughs) deleted.
0: Yeah. Put on the scrap people (laughs) life. Yep. Yep. She, uh, she's definitely not going to be ripped into small pieces soon. Um, Let's see. What do I get? Oh yeah. The lesbians have moved in and are Kissing. We are on the UPN. We are. We have the kiss count is officially as high as it was the whole time they were on the WB. So oh, don't yeah. worry, I'm paying attention. I'll keep a weathered eye oh, for wow. the lesbian
2: kissing station. <laughs>
0: <laughs> the kiss count.
2: <laughs> uh. I had to note the sheer amount of sandwich that Xander fit into his mouth in the scene where he comes in. Men like in sandwiches. Buffy Ba <laughs> is making like 12,000 peanut butter and jelly oh, sandwiches. He wow. puts so like half an entire yeah. fucking sandwich in his mouth at once. Well, I mean,
1: He's he a just, man with a tool. <laughs>
2: that's
0: right. In the house of chicks. Yeah, he saw sandwiches. He's like, great, this is a normal amount of sandwiches. Let me just start. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> house of chicks, relax.
1: I'm a man and I have a tool. Tools. Lots of plural tools in my uh, toolbox. We recently, when I was out in Portland before we recorded this episode, we had pancakes at your house. And I was never offered if I wanted funny shapes or (gasps) rounds. And I want to ask, what the fuck? (laughs) Look, You didn't even ask. I don't even know how you make
0: a funny shape on a griddle. You just pour... The thing it makes a circle, you,
1: you get a little cutout, you make a little Mickey Mouse cutout or something and pour it right in there. Boom! I wasn't even asked.
0: So, I had a moment during the episode, maybe it was during uh Sandwich where I was like, maybe Xander's not. I, I just like had a distinct memory of watching this. Uh, while it was airing where I was like, the widening had struck, right? And I feel like maybe I just had the aspect ratio on my TV wrong because he looks like a normal fucking person. Uh, no,
1: I think he's a normal person. I think he's always kind of looked like a normal, but the widening has happened. The moment he walked through the door, 100% think, when he walked he through does, the door, he's just he like, he is growing. Yeah. He's a bigger, okay. he's just gr- growing as an adult. I mean, it's the widening is happening for sure.
0: Yeah, I mean, when I do put him in perspective of like Giles or, or James Marsher's, although like James Marsher's is like a zero body fat thin mm-hmm. little guy uh yeah he just he just yeah he's getting older it's just that weird thing it's like it's not that he's like fat i'm fat like that it's not it's not he doesn't look fat it's like the same thing with nathan philly like you don't or, or david Boranis, you don't look fat you just what just wider you're just yeah. bigger bigger Every, yeah okay well i was trying to give him a break but yeah widening season six get That's ready, ready. <laughs> Stasia. Uh, I love
2: the slap fight that Anya and Giles had over that statue. Uh, oh, my gosh, a,
1: yes.
0: Harmony and Xander fighting. I
2: mm-hmm. love every slap fight on Buffy. <laughs> Absolutely. Love them all.
1: I'm not leaving the store to anyone. I'm going to England. I'm not dead. I'm still a partner. Silent overseas partner. Who you should be very nice to unless you want to end up working at Video Hut. Is this uh, a new development or has this happened before? So when Spike burns the vampire at the very beginning, some person offstage threw a bunch of sawdust on Anthony Stewart head. Normally we just have, oh yeah, he got pelted with actual sawdust. And when, when they killed the guy, the, the Hanson vampire later, he, they made a point of the dust. He, yeah. the dust. So we've clearly, um, you know, somebody found some sawdust on the ground and we're like, we're, let's incorporate this. <laughs> Normally when everybody got dusted, it was all CG. Like we didn't play around with like, oh, Sarah's got dust in her hair. Huh. Like We never did that. Anyways, I thought it was funny that they just threw sawdust on poor Giles on his last episode. <laughs> <You know,
0: laughs> the so UPN, we're trying stuff, man. What do people like sawdust? No, no. Who knows? Uh, all I have to say as a menacing biker demon... Gang leader is get her, stop her, ride, ride. Aren't you? Let's ride. Aren't you shivering in your boots. Is if I like,
2: had boots, I would be.
0: Thank you. I thought so.
2: Worth it, Stasia. Sure. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, I want to know who Xander's favorite Backstreet Boy is.
1: Dude, yeah. How? That's a great question. You
0: know, it's like watching this now it's like oh my god so he's like he was a vintage Backstreet Boys fan back in the day no this is contemporary he's contemporary into Backstreet Boys at the peak 2001 it might be like a little over a little bit over but okay who's his favorite he would I think he'd want to pick the one that he empathizes with the most or like he sees himself in the most you know Mm. which would definitely be one of the shittier ones so we gotta go Kevin Kevin or AJ or no Howie Kevin or Howie howie for sure oh howie, wow yeah.
1: howie for sure yeah. right he wishes he was a brian but he'll never be brian
0: no, he'll never be brian or nick but he's definitely oh definitely howie definitely howie because at least kevin had like the tall like he just stood out of the way right he's like i'm here i'll do the baselines because i'm the tallest and then aj's like i'm a weirdo so i can stand out because i'm the weird one look i've got a do-rag i've got glasses i'm different and Howie's like also i'm here. Four is a bad number for a group ensemble.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Gentlemen, Backstreet Boys.
1: To piggyback on the end of that, I looked up on eBay the cost of, you know, these Backstreet Boys uh, lunchboxes. So they still sealed in a package the Millennium, you know, from 2010 lunchbox with 40 removable tattoos. It's still going for 85 bucks. The average is about $40 for like just a generic... Lunchbox, they got the ones that are just like little plastic ones. They've got tin ones, hmm. wild stuff. Wow! But you can still do it. So
0: good news for Xander good to know that 21 years later, it's not too late. Oh my God! I was at Walmart today, and they are reissuing Britney Spears "Hit Me Baby One More Time" T-shirts, like with her on the ground, you know, with like her knees, whatever the, oh, that man. that pose. And I was like, what the? F-? I just had like a what year is it? Like literally, it's, it's terrible. I don't know if anybody saw this, and it definitely doesn't matter, but in the training room for the first time, I noticed they have, like, a really big speaker in the corner behind Giles' head when he was being very sad and uh, getting owned by Buffy saying, BuffyBot saying, why are you still here? There's a big speaker behind him, and also there's, like, a hubcap in the corner, and I'm like, what the fuck is this room? What is this room? Why are we storing hubcaps? Who even has a car? I guess just Giles. Maybe it's a BMW hubcap, but I'm like, what BMW has hubcaps? I don't know. And then... I'm sorry. <laughs> if we have like this banging sound system in here, why aren't we throwing parties in here? Why are not we here more? What is this going on? Their best friend just died three months ago. You think they're gonna have a rager? <laughs> Time in your for karaoke. Okay. Space.
2: Time God. to move Jesus on. Jesus Christ. Time to move on. Uh, I love the phrase, and I don't know that I've ever heard this before. In any other vampire media, and I don't know that I've clocked it before in this, but I love when the biker demon calls a vampire, a Hanson fan, a blood rat.
1: Yeah. thought <laughs> so that was great. Yes, yeah. I thought that was great. I like
2: that for zombie.
1: I love that everybody hates vampires so much.
0: <laughs> <They're> just
2: like, <laughs> oh, so common. <laughs> Pretty
1: good stuff.
0: Well, I mean, they're only half demons. I know. Yeah.
1: They're just like, I, know.
0: I know. Yeah.
2: Well, all demons on Earth are a shadow of their former selves. Yeah. So Daniel. I'm
1: disappointed that Giles straight up lied to all of our friends as well. Um, I think it was to uh, Willow and Tara perpetuated the, the lie later on by saying that, um, you know, he's only a phone call away. And we do know that in London, there are no telephones in the Buffy universe. So there will be no communication. There's no way to have
2: communication. You have so to write You know, poor letter. Don. That's why it takes so many episodes for him to come back and be mad at Willow.
1: <laughs> I know. I know. Mm-hmm. He just had no idea.
2: Dearest Giles.
1: <laughs> we've reanimated our friend Buffy today.
0: <laughs> I write to you from the shores of Sunnydale. Oh, God. Oh, God. Uh, I disagree with Barty Noxon, who said in the commentary that the CG on Willow looked terrible, and I apparently disagree with Daniel, too. I thought- it looked terrible. I thought the lumps were actually kind of convincing, no. man. You don't think so? No. I thought, look, from where we've been, okay, with the amount of snakes- that we've had on this show it's that have been never gotten awful. better, which is embarrassing. I think this is the best. I whether or not it's good, okay, but is it the best so far? I have to say yes. I have to say yes. I think the CG lumps. She sells the it. Snake. Yeah.
1: She sells it really well. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I don't know. I think it's the best.
1: Actually, didn't even think about it. The bumps going over—I mean, it is, yeah, it doesn't look that great. But I think, but again, she sold it, so that was fine. The snake thing was just jarring because we've seen so many fucking snakes, and they've never got it they right. They love a snake a single time. I
2: love a so snake. we're
1: still, we're They'll still, never right. get yeah, it I love right. it too. I hope there's another one. I hope there's at least they one could make
2: more. they could make Buffy now, and the snakes would still look like shit. <laughs> like I don't know what it is. <laughs>
0: You have to keep that threat. Yeah. I mean, like we don't take <laughs> anything into a remake. You at least take all the snakes, and, like, all must be terrible. Single, oh no! And we have a, a
1: beautiful CGI character monster throw up like a shitty 90s <laughs> yes! era snake. I mean, <laughs> <Yeah>. that's that's <laughs> no when you know it. you've gone full circle. Yes. <laughs> and over here we have the cafeteria
2: where we were molded by snakes. Big snake, huh? Yeah. Why do I get bitten by snakes?
1: But you killed the. You did the thing with that. You drown. And the a snake? Not to mention daily
0: slayage of. Wow. Does anybody else miss the mayor? I just want to be a big snake.
2: It's no big, really. Hey, who wants ice cream? Uh, why doesn't Tara know what vino de madre is? I mean, that's pretty. That's I like, know. <laughs> that's just <laughs> Italian.
0: It's right there. Well, I
2: mean, it means wine of the mother, yeah. right? But. Why does she not know that it's a dead baby deer? Yeah, the yeah. blood from a baby deer. It feels like she should know that, even if Xander yeah. doesn't cause Xander's not spell guy, as you'd probably say in Buffy vernacular, uh-huh. <laughs> oh. Aren't you Mr. Dicey Semantics? <laughs> uh, Tara would know. I feel like she would be in the trenches with Willow figuring out how to do this spell. She would know it's a baby deer. She wouldn't be like, oh, you went to the black market? I should have gone. <laughs> like, she knows more about this <laughs> shit than Willow does.
0: <laughs> yeah, well, Tara's a new character every time we meet her. So apparently this version of Tara didn't Is look over the spell <laughs> with Willow even once. It has no <laughs> idea what spell ingredients are and doesn't have any prior knowledge.
2: Also kind of disappointed they referenced this magic black market, and then we, like, never 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 go there,
0: never see it, never
2: hear of it again.
0: No, never once. Never need to. I I didn't really put that together. Tara would absolutely have read the spell before. I mean, Willow does kind of put on that she's keeping stuff even from everyone. I mean, obviously she is. She lied about the whole dear thing to to begin with. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Exactly. Uh, But... It, it seems like Tara would not have signed off on this if she hadn't even looked it over. Like she's afraid of this stuff enough that I don't think she, and, and cares about Willow that she wouldn't want her to just like do this yeah alone without. I don't know. That's bizarre. yeah She
1: even again like what like what she did before with her gravity when talking about like bringing people back from the dead the first time with Dawn. And just, like, how big it, is. She does that in this one, too. We're breaking the lounge of whatever she says about, like, mm-hmm. this is a cr- abomination to humanity as a whole. But, you know, we agreed to it that one time. And it's like, <laughs> what? Yes. I mean, what are you talking about?
2: It is wrong. It's against all the laws of nature and practically impossible to do. But it's what we agreed to. If, if you guys are changing your minds. Nobody's changing their minds. Period. It's too much
0: You pot. can stop
1: doing it if it's a crime against humanity. Like, what are we doing?
0: God. God. Anyway,
1: Daniel, uh, dude, where's my car? Is playing at the cinema. I don't know if you guys caught yeah. that. I know uh, here, I'll show cinema. you. Oh, you did see it, yeah. Uh, no, anyways, I, anyways, <laughs> yeah. oh yeah, PG, dude, really? Yeah, yeah, PG. So what the hell, man? PG thirteen. We all know it's PG thirteen, famously. Yeah. So uh, I don't know. So I guess you know, in this town, maybe the the subject matter is like we just deal with the shit all the time. This is a PG movie for us. We take the kids <laughs>
2: out. <laughs> I uh, love the idea of Sunnydale having its own movie rating system. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely.
1: Yeah. absolutely incredible.
0: Well, the most likely thing is that the guy who was in charge of setting up the marquee just said, PG, fuck it, I'm done.
2: I, got it. Yeah, got I by can't idea, find man. the yeah, one and the three. My... <laughs> uh, I think I'm done. I, too, am done.
1: I've got oh, two more. I've got two more. Uh, right. One of them involves this warning sign so you already kind of gave it away kelly but i did look into it so the warning sign standard warning sign about parking stopping or standing and it notes the cvc two different cvz codes cvc and that stands for the california vehicle code Mm -hmm. and both of those codes are real and one of them is a standard authorization that just says that per municipal rules we can set up these places wherever we want and they're legal and then number two uh, the one CVZ uh, 21113 one, is interesting because the A next to it is talking about subsection A. Subsection A reads <laughs> that this relates to a public school, state university, state college, educational uh, institution uh, on whole or exempted by taxes or whatever. But it should be D, which is a municipal airport, right? Huh. So it should be D that is exempt, like the exemption is everything. And then D is the reason why, which is because we're at an airport. Um, so they probably, obviously, we know they didn't film it at a real airport. This was more than likely on a, wherever they film the stuff for all the college sets or whatever, they're just on a college campus or, or something. They're just on a regular, um, you know, either a lot or something. I don't know where they got these things. And then the whole thing about the Long Beach PD, that is their phone number right there. So that is real. Nice. And so Giles flew out of Long Beach LBG LGB sorry Long Beach Airport that is four hours away from Santa Barbara so we drove four hours to this airport in the lore not well in our lore I guess because Sunnydale is Santa Barbara right so um, right which could, which is basically LA is Long Beach so it's like 45 minutes from the heart of LA so straight which
0: is funny because the flight connects in LAX so you exactly. would have driven four <laughs> hours away to go to the Long Beach airport to fly to LAX.
1: Two LAX, which again, I guess t- kind of makes sense, right? But I'm sure that Long Beach is probably... Well, maybe it's not an international airport. Anyways, the final thing I have to say Wait, is... A- oh, yeah.
2: Was this proof that Sunnydale's in Long Beach and not...
1: See, that's uh, the weird... That's weird, yeah, because that's no. the Long Beach airport.
0: No, they uh, like Marty and, and Dave Fear were talking about this, and they were like, yeah... W- <laughs> We put an airport in Sunnydale, and there's just like they just like can can see that this is ridiculous. There should absolutely not be an airport in Sunnydale.
2: Yeah, but we're saying Sunnydale is Santa Barbara. What if the fact that they put them at the Long Beach Airport in real life proves that they're not in Santa Barbara; they're on Long Beach. Oh uh, yeah, but she says they're in Santa Barbara.
1: I I, I specifically address this in the watches. I
2: saw that with my eyes. Oh, Stay tuned nice. for
1: the watch, Stacia, because we can dive into okay. that question even Thank further.
0: You. Excellent. Excellent. And The
1: final one I have is that what the pre-9-11, pre-TSA goodbye is this <gasps> with Giles? Uh, so this was came out in November of 2011. This was probably filmed before 9-11. Clearly, this is from another world to us now. Do you right. think or do we know is 9-11 canon in the Buffy universe?
0: It's never spoken about.
1: Okay. This got me thinking about on the 10th of September this year, I was reading an article in Vice uh, by uh, Gita Jackson and Emily Lipstein that were talking about fan fiction right after 9-11. And they were going into some wild stuff like Yu-Gi-Oh! has fan fiction about 9-11. Uh, I don't know if you guys saw the Disney propaganda, like the Shia LaBeouf reading poetry Back in the day, like there was so much propaganda mm-hmm. about. Oh
0: yeah, you, sh- mm-hmm. you showed me. Yeah, that, that kind of mm-hmm.
1: resurfaced. Yeah, they they mentioned it. And I was like, oh my god, I saw that independent of this article because it just all comes back up. I want to read a little snippet out here because they specifically go into Buffy the Vampire fan fiction. And I just, I'm kind of curious what you would think, especially you, Kelly, because it's pretty funny. Um, So this is, quote, from the article. Reactions depicted in a handful of Buffy the Vampire Slayer fanfics published in the weeks after the attacks ring a little truer to their characters. You know, unlike the Yu-Gi-Oh! characters. That makes no sense. Um, One of these was called Tuesday, the 11th of September, 2001, written by Anna Kay. Almost echoes the lyrics from I've Got a Theory, one of the songs in the musical episode, um, you know, Once More with Feeling. Quote, We have seen the apocalypse. This is inside of her story. We have prevented it. Actually, we prevented quite a few. So we know what they look like, they write, before taking a darker turn. They look a lot like New York today. Next paragraph. (laughs) Killing demons and vampires doesn't phase a Scooby gang. But when preventable human death is brought into the picture, it's gut-wrenching. What am I supposed to do? When I can't do anything to save the world, Buffy cries into Spike's chest, watching the attacks unfold in a TV, on TV in a fanfic the author <laughs> described as being about feeling numb and helpless. In Blood Drive, uh, another writer writes about Buffy and her friend saving a van full of blood, of donated blood meant for victims of the attacks from a group of thirsty vampires. One Buffy vampire fic even takes a blindly patriotic turn when noted lesbian witch Tara McClay helps Xander hang an American flag from the window of the magic shop to make. Make Anya feel better.
2: <laughs> oh no nerd, lesbian, witch. Menace to society. I want that to be on my headstone.
1: <laughs> and I, the whole article is amazing, and we'll link it in the show notes because it's just so so interesting to think of how people coped with 9 11, especially being kids. You know, there's like a My Little Pony fan fiction that's mentioned where Twilight, one of the ponies, dies in 9 11. Uh, Phineas and Ferb oh do a tribute concert like a week after the events. There's whole lore in in a, in a Star Wars fanfic universe where the part of the Clone War is the reason for 9-11. And Jedi's actually end up on Flight 93 and save what? Flight 93. Okay. And in canon of the Clone War universe, like extension of the of the war itself, Earth is sort of brought into the fold because of the heroics of that day. It's bonkers. Like it's crazy what people did to like i don't know feel better i guess i don't know
0: i've read a lot of buffy fanfiction i am not too proud to admit and none of them ever mentioned 911 tell 911 i'm sure it came and went a couple months area. uh i got to say willow terra slash fiction is pretty common <laughs> <laughs> pretty common yeah, pretty, <laughs> pretty easy to track down yeah. on the internet. Wide scope, <laughs> many many pieces.
1: Probably still the thing written about the most yeah. to this day. Probably the only avenue still being
0: explored. 0911 I mean, I wasn't looking for it. I can't say it doesn't exist. And clearly, noted lesbian Tara McClay hung an American noted flag lesbian. in the window of the ne- Lesbian so,
1: witch. <laughs> noted no, lesbian. Sorry, witch. sorry, sorry. Yeah, noted
0: lesbian <laughs> witch. <laughs> clearly, we need it all there. That was beautiful. Thank you. I feel more patriotic today. (laughs) God damn.
1: Anya Christina Emanuela Jenkins, 20 years old, born on the 4th of July. And don't think there weren't jokes about that my whole life, mister, because there were. Who's our little patriot, they'd say, when I was younger
0: and therefore smaller and shorter than I am now. Daniel, I don't know if you've made any changes to them, but I do want to know about uh, the watches, if you...
1: Uh, yeah, I you think our what? watches are still solid. Unless you guys want to add any, let me know. Okay. Xander Construction Outfit Watch, no, but he did bring his tools. He's a man with his tool. That's right. S- tool S- or tools, S- you know. Tool. Both or not. Maroon Jacket Watch, no. Didn't see the maroon jacket, so that's a no for me. Ah!
0: Uh, ah! Uh, uh, Buffy and Tara both wear a maroon jacket in this episode. Buffybot does. And Tara does.
1: See, it's then I'm just like, it doesn't hold any allure for me anymore. Oh, dear I don't no. even notice it. I didn't uh, even notice it.
0: Daniel. What are you doing? What are this you doing? This watch
1: this watch sucks. Everything's called into I, question now. I don't
0: think I can trust the new I'm, gonna, I'm gonna
1: ask I'm gonna ask you from now on. Thank God. You're the new maroon jacket uh you know advocate over here. Thank uh you. Dawn's piercing screams, no, did not scream. Mm-hmm. Did she? Uh, see this is where you tell me I'm wrong. Yeah. Uh Chips Ahoy, no, we don't have any allusions to Chips no. Ahoy. Buffy has a personality, I would say yes <laughs> in this one. Only because I'd argue that Willow and company have been designing the Buffy bot with things from her personality that we don't get really to see, but we got to believe that it's there. She right? must so have one. It's this, able to be programmed. Yes. Right. And and we could try to make it better and better, but it goes to show that they clearly don't know her that well and she doesn't have much of a personality. So it just kind of spits out the Dada-isms, right? Yes. Otherwise they could just, they could just record, you know, just be like, Hey, you say this mm-hmm. every time. And, you know. Uh, De Hoffren watch? No, but I feel like he's coming. It's only been three years. Uh, (laughs) Tara and Willow are on the pot again. Yes. Willow is standing on top of tombs in the opening, believing that she's communicating with other people. Right. That's a lot of Um, things. I... Is it lore that it happened? I don't know. It seems like everybody just kind of did their own thing. I'm just going to believe that she was just high standing on top of the thing. And everyone's like, God damn it, Willow, what are you doing? Um, She's looking for fucking clogs. What's that about? (laughs) Ooh, pancakes could go in bellies. Oh, man. Like, I mean, they're so fucking baked early in the morning, (laughs) just like trying to be parents. Um, Tara, when she hears mega witches, I... it brought back Tara as an older character who just was ready to talk about that. Like she was just thinking about mega witches and the moment it came up, she's just like, boom, mega witches. Let me tell you all about it. Um, She finds the backstreet boys funny. We, we went to her for the little smirk when we found out that it was, you know, who likes the backstreet. (laughs) Um, Then she like, just, I laughed so hard when Mercury's in retrograde. I just like found that really funny. Uh, Do we have everything? It's like, are you talking about the weed? I don't know. Um, Butterfly, she doesn't have butterflies in her stomach, but bats. Bats. So something is going crazy. And it's hard for me not to imagine themselves having a bad trip, you know, because we're seeing Willow's trials with Osiris from, I just like to believe that we're seeing it from Tara's perspective. And it's like not as intense. (laughs)
0: None of that's actually happening.
1: Just because Tara's having like a really hard time. So I don't know. (laughs) Michael Wicca, Amy Gothwatch. No, but I am intrigued by Mega Witches in general. A Book's a Million, I think No. At all. I think maybe Willow had the book with the deer. There was something there, yeah. right? But I think she was just praying. I don't think there was a book. I didn't mm-hmm. see a book at all. Uh, streets Ahead, no specific streets, but a lot of world building. We do the Sunnydale Airport. Um, there's some bar on the edge of town infested with demons. Right. And when we enter Sunnydale, there is a sign that says elevation 102 nice. and population 32,900.
0: Yes.
1: So it's kind of wild. Because Santa Barbara collectively has 92,000 people that lived there in the year 2000. Uh, Long Beach has 461,000 in the year 2000. You have to go down to the 250th biggest city in California to even hit the 32,000 mark. Beverly Hills is the closest. 32,700. This was in 2000. Mm. Uh, or actually, no, this might be today. So, it's, the, the yeah, the numbers will be a little bit off because I think it's just an aggregator today. Um, number two is a place called Galetta, which I would say is probably Sunnydale because it's in Santa Barbara County. And that's 32,690. So, very close Ooh. to the 32,900. And then it's kind of crazy because the rest of these towns really run the gamut. Fair Oaks is the next one that's outside of Sacramento. Desert Hot Springs, north of Palm Springs. So that could be where they go to do their fucking uh, vision quests. Uh, There's a place called Seaside that's outside of Monterey. Fallbrook is outside of San Diego. And these are just going down a little bit. So they're all within 32,900. San Pablo is north of Richmond, which is across the bay from San Francisco. So we're all over the place. But there is uh, a place that's 32,034 people called Orcutt. And it's an unincorporated town in Santa Barbara County, so not in the city. And it's between that and Monterey. It's just sitting out there. It doesn't have any access to the ocean, but I don't think that stops it from being an okay Sunnydale.
0: Looking at where they pass the sign, which, by the way, in the TVD version, the Sunnydale is white not red i don't know why that changed oh why wow. it's different but i i did know the population note that the population was around thirty thousand. so that they didn't change anything except for the font color so
1: and and that elevation is probably the thing like the that orcutta is in a valley but it's probably that first one the goleta just because it's in like right outside of santa barbara and as far as i i mean i don't know like santa barbara's by the ocean right i mean it's like in theory you can get down that's pretty low 102 is really low. Whatever like that sea they're, level. They're and there's mountains right rural. there. Like It's huge. I mean, those is like the this, this Sierra Nevada, Sierra Madres or whatever. Like they're saying that the elevation is 102?
0: Yeah, that seems That's the on. ocean.
1: Like <laughs> the ocean's like right there. Right. How are these mountains right on the ocean? Like absolute insanity. Anyway, I thought I would just uh, throw that out there. Thank I you. Suppose. And then finally, but Giles' biggest KO. Yeah. Like I said, somebody threw sawdust on him. Um, but also Buffy bot liked the teaching and, you know, every Slayer needs a watcher uh, and him saying that he wasn't so sure was incredibly heartbreaking. Um, but really he was leaving. I mean, that's the biggest KO. Like, it's really sad that he's leaving. It's sad that he thinks that he didn't fulfill his job, but did fulfill it right because she's dead. Like, that's really dark. It's dark to be a watcher too. And we kind of get a little bit of that. So I'm excited to see him again, but I'm sad to see him go.
0: Yeah, it's. That's going to have to be changed. Giles' biggest KO because he's not going to be around to be KO'd. What
1: are you talking about?
0: Boys!
1: Yes, well, I'm talking about trouble. A violent and disturbing prophecy is about to be fulfilled.
0: Thank you for the watch updates. I do have to say before we start ranking stuff um, that uh, you can find us everywhere. Twitter, Tumblr, Instagram, Pod at, backwards, at BeatMePod. That's how you do that. And we also have a website, BeatMePod.wordpress.com. Still, right? Even though it's hosted through Notion, is it still, that's still the thing? You don't know? You don't know if we have a website? Do we have a website?
1: Don't do we? remember. Yeah, I'm pretty sure we do. And it's, <laughs> no, it's WordPress. It's WordPress. Yeah.
0: Beameapod.wordpress.com, that contains notes about this show, so if you have a question about a song we, that we might play, which, by the way, One Minute to Midnight is only one minute away from Two Minutes to Midnight. Iron Maiden, throw that thing on there, because that's a great song. Uh, we, we make playlists. Static X. Speaking, uh, Static X, obviously. We make playlists. On Spotify, you can find season sixes at Beat Me Hyphen Funtime playlist for Podcast Fans. Season six. And that will contain any songs that are played during this season that are available on Spotify within the episode Buffy the Vampire Slayer that we're speaking about, as well as any songs that we play in our podcast. And you can find the link to that Spotify playlist on our website. It's just all oh, it's so convenient. It's so nice and easy for anyone looking for that kind of stuff. But I know what we're really looking for, and that's to rank this sucker. Now, talking about things that need to be updated, this is the last time that I'm going to be able to do one of my categories here, but before I get ahead of myself. I mean, not the last time. And also, I can do whatever I want whenever I want. It's my show. Uh, Willow Hacks, it's mine. (laughs) Willow Hacks,
1: (laughs) You sound like Willow right now.
0: (laughs) I'm going to make it okay. We're going to be okay. Oh, God. Yeah, just, Tara, I'm so glad you said that because, like, Tara, what the fuck? How does she not know anything about this spell? I don't know. Why is she not quite? God damn I
1: don't it, know. Tara. Yeah.
0: Willow hacks. We talk about the net slash something wicked. This way comes. Oh, that's a big fat 10. We goddamn brought Buffy back from the dead. Okay. goddamn right. We did. brought her back from the dead. That's intense. That's a big ass spell. That's going to have serious consequences. We already <laughs> had serious consequences. Willow killed a goddamn deer. Okay. A baby deer, <laughs> which by the way, the, the music, a little bit of music that's playing during that. Uh, Thomas Wanker or somebody on the staff named that little sweet Willow Kills Bambi. So, you know, appropriate. All right, so this is the category that's going to have to be changed, but not today. Thank God. Giles, level of Giles. Okay. Gave him a five because he fucking left. He abandoned his family. He walked out on them and got on a plane and flew to fucking England. What is he even going to do over there? Okay. What is he even going to do over there? He doesn't know. He doesn't have any friends. He doesn't have any friends. He used to live there, remember? God, that whole line. Sometimes, Tara, it's really hard to bat for her, I gotta say. Uh, (laughs) She was rough this entire...
1: She was high. This
0: entire fucking She got baked before
1: going. She couldn't handle the airport. It was too too much. Too much emotion.
0: Uh, But he was sad, and he gave on to the store, and he uh, tried to teach a robot about chi. So, you know.
1: That was a great scene, yeah.
0: That is a very Giles thing. I'm just gonna educate you thing that... You can't learn it. You're not going to learn it. You can't breathe. Uh, Dawn needs an adult. I gave this an eight because, again, lesbian parents doing a great job. We're making sure she gets her breakfast. We're taking care of her. She's going to making sure she's going to school. I would say she's doing way better than she'll end up doing when Buffy actually does come back. So far, so good. Because she's healthily grieving the death of her sister. I mean, she was a little but sad. But is she
1: because Buffy Bot is there in a reminder consistently of her dead sister? Yeah. Like, when she hugged her, that the, the room was like, ugh. Yeah. Willow looked away. You know, so I don't know how healthy it is.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's... <sighs> the sco- the core Scoobies are not dealing with Buffy's death by just being like, oh, we're going to bring her back. So let's, we don't even have to deal with it. We'll just p- postpone the dealing if we even have to. Dawn is soothing herself by being like, She's Buffybot, she's here. So you, you don't really have to deal with the fact that Buffy's gone. Although I would say she's probably dealing with it better than the Scoobies who are just denying it, for lack of a better term. Spike and Giles, I think, are dealing with it the best because they know Buffybot is not Buffy. Although Giles, I just said, you know, trying to teach it chi, trying to teach it, make it a slayer. I don't know. Buffybot is definitely... But I think he's
1: more talking to Buffy than yeah. Buffy Bot. you know?
0: I think that Spike is really the only one that's fully dealing. I think
1: so. I think that's true.
0: I think that Dawn is doing the best she can and that she has support around her and people are paying attention to her and care about her eating and going to school. So that's better than things that have been in the past. Joyce, I'm looking at you. Uh, Monster of the week. <laughs> I just...
1: <laughs> the,
0: the makeup is actually interesting. I like that they kind of look like bats, like they didn't have noses. And this is one of the you know mm-hmm. few mm-hmm. characters we get that don't have noses. Uh, Bernie Noxon said she hated that. She thought it looked goofy. I was like, you're oh. like, incorrect. You're incorrect. The idea of them, the concept of them, the execution of them, fucking terrible. I hate that they're in this show, but the makeup's kind of cool. Fair enough. So I gave them a six because I hate them, but also the makeup's neat. (laughs) Um, And also for kill count, other than riding in circles and, like, causing little bits of mayhem that Xander basically did with his crony group of zombies one night by himself, uh, they killed no one but a vampire. So, if anything, they're batting for our team. Like, I I don't really know what the fuck. Ugh! god these guys um relationship goodness or badness we lied to giles we lied about killing a baby deer we were lying to our friends we were keeping secrets but we're also trying to take care of each other and cope through this very difficult time so i gave them a seven uh episode specific i'm not gonna leave her there it's buffy willow saying that you know very god allison yeah great job great job it's the Willow carries show. It
1: carries it. It is.
0: Willow, the noted lesbian witch or bisexual witch or whatever. That's what they're going to change the name of the show to. Six out of ten. So that's 42 overall. One of one. Go figure because it's the only one we've done so far. 42 is pretty low because it's 42 of 60. I just don't want to fuck up in Buffy versus Dracula my way through the season. I love Buffy versus Dracula though. And I stand by it. But I'm just, I think 42 feels good. We'll see what happens. Stacia.
2: Mm, now you have me doubting.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
2: i felt like i needed to put this high i don't know whatever i'm gonna leave it where i ranked it i ranked it 14 out of 101
1: oh shit oh wow i know
0: it's really high
1: that's nice i mean don't let me... i think it warrants it i think it's i think it's a great episode
0: i mean buffy's never come back from the dead before because she's never died before so that's a big deal in and of itself
1: yeah that ending was pretty fire. Yeah, I mean it's a great cliffhanger if we're taking it in two parts mm-hmm. too. That's a great, and it all fits in one episode. Mm-hmm. It Feels good, even though we know it's a second part.
0: Yeah, I think this stands on its own. I mean, I know that they, you guys said it kind of felt like a prologue, but I don't know. I, f- I feel like it, it feels good. It's like if I, if I had this split up and I had to wait till next week, I'd feel like, oh, that holy shit, man, Buffy's back. Yeah, then, yeah. yeah like, no,
2: that's definitely like a satisfying ending for the episode.
0: Fourteen. Okay, so how many spots above? Oh, yeah. The dark age. Oh, no, I don't know. I almost forgot our whole basis of metrics uh, of measuring your, your ranking. Dark age is
2: 48. Okay. 48. Oh, okay. God, it's so high. <laughs> <laughs> Shut up. Well, we're only,
1: we're, what, 100-something, 100 so.
2: 101.
1: Yeah, 101. I mean, oh, that's sweet, like, yeah. so it's
2: right. right in the middle. Right yeah, the middle. it's right in yeah. the
0: middle. Yeah. And it, where it will stay will be the forever middle. I mean, that's like exactly in the middle. Yeah. Okay, great. Oh, what's above it and what's below it? That's the other thing. What's above it and what's below. Bargaining part one.
2: Uh the gift is above it and angels below it. Nice.
0: Okay. Daniel?
1: Oh, I don't I don't have any oh, fuck,
0: that's for right. this. That's right.
1: Yes. So I get to I get to blessedly step back away from this. Because I don't have to deal with the problem of like we've had before the two parters where the first one's great and then second one sucks and vice versa. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's like hard when you don't remember it. It's like, oh, yeah, this is great. But then, like I said, the bikers are coming. It's like, oh, fuck, yeah. you know, is this the better part? Oh, and then it's going to be bad. Like We're going real
0: hard hurt, on so. the bikers next episode. Don't
1: yeah, <laughs> worry. <laughs> well, that's bad. Yeah. That's bad. So that's going to potentially bring this down. But I think that part one is so strong that I think this is an easy like top. Thirty is going to be a prediction for me. I mean, it's just so good, and Buffy's back, baby! Buffy's back. Yeah,
0: yeah. It's. I want to say that the first, like half of the episode is the bikers.
1: I mean, <laughs> see this—that's troubling. <laughs> if that's true, then this could go down to the one hundredths yeah. very quickly.
0: Yeah, <laughs> it's all going to be about Spike. Honestly, the way that he deals with Buffy when she comes well, back is like that's the thing.
1: Cr- I'm—I literally cannot wait to see Spike realize that it's really Buffy. Mm-hmm. And I'm so excited, yeah. and I'm so here for it. And that alone will save the whole, the whole episode.
0: We'll I'm see. There's a that. lot of so. bikers. Okay.
1: Uh, <laughs>
0: well, stay tuned for the exciting conclusion of Bargaining, the season six premiere. Certainly uh, appreciate you sticking around for this episode. It's been a very long summer, and I'm very glad to be back. And I hope you were glad to have us back. Um, before we part, Stacia, do you have anything else to say about this episode? No. Daniel? Do you have anything else to say about this episode? No. Okay. Well, the Bargaining Part 1 is in the books. We will see you next time for a Bargaining Part 2. Uh I forgot how I sign off for the show.
1: Stacia, say goodbye.
0: Stacia, say goodbye. Bye. <laughs> Daniel, say
1: goodbye. Poor Beat Me Pod. Your life flashed before your eyes. Cup of tea. Cup of tea. Dreaming of being the number one Buffy podcast. Cup of tea. <laughs> yes. Yes. Oh, thank you so much for listening. Goodbye. They come and, on my bus.
2: and be my friend. Uh, all right.
1: I'll take really good care of your money. Ooh, pancakes could go in bellies. Funny shapes
0: around. It's time. Like time, time. With the timeliness.
1: Mercury's sure? yeah. in retrograde. Mercury. Must be retrograde.